0: All right. We're pleased now to be joined by Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio. He covers Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball. He's on the radio. And of course, he's the host of the 11 Personnel Podcast. I just listened to the latest one there, Breaking Down Spring Football, some really outstanding stuff. And uh, you come highly recommended, Nick. So once again, I really appreciate you hopping on here.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me. The, the feelings mutual. Um, it's it's an exciting time of the year where you get a little bit of the football-basketball crossover. It's kind of like November, um, except uh, this time the shoe's on the other foot. Instead of you know getting like a little tease with like Champions Classic or Feast like Week, in the middle of football season, it's basketball kind of teasing us, uh, or football teasing us in the middle of the busiest time of the year for basketball. So I absolutely love it, um, and I'm happy to, hear, to talk about it all with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, before we get into, you know, spring camp is already underway there in Lexington. I did want to ask you this because I'm a Tennessee graduate and I tweet a lot about SEC football, Tennessee football. But I, you know, I tweet about the entire conference and I'm just wondering if you get this. I would imagine you probably don't. But because I have so many Tennessee followers, anytime I say something good about Kentucky, I just get berated by damn Vol Twitter and I'm just—I'm wondering if you felt their wrath as well. Oh, of course, of course, and that's because uh, over time, Tennessee
1: has slowly developed into public enemy number one for me. Growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, it was always—that was always the biggest rivalry. But for a certain segment of our fan base, especially in Southeast Kentucky, where a lot of those kind of small towns in Appalachia, they get the Knoxville news channels. Mm-hmm. That's always the biggest rivalry. And as I've grown older, I've you know that I, I know my common enemy in Louisville better. My wife is a Louisville grad and a Louisville fan, so I've softened some of the cards, and in turn have hardened my heart towards the Vols. Um, and a lot of that is because, for even as successful as Dukes has been as of late, there's still even in Tennessee's down years, Kentucky has not played them well. That loss in 2018 was just. Absolutely brutal. That was the first time I'd ever visited a Neyland Stadium. And to have maybe the worst Tennessee team in 20 years beat the Kentucky's best team in 40 years, it just just—it was sickening. Between that game, there was a game back in 2007 when uh, Kentucky had Andre Woodson and Lona Seaburn. They're playing Eric Ainge, and it's the final game of the year, and they go to four overtime. In the third overtime, Kentucky can kick a chip-shot field goal to win I was in the end zone. I was ready to rush the field. It gets blocked, and that, that started hardening my heart. And in the last two years, with uh, that loss in 2018, and then uh, the Rick Barnes making them good in basketball, watching Grant Williams and John Fulkerson. That something about Folky. I just—it's the hair, it's the nickname, it's all of the above. That uh, you it just—it really strikes the chord. And sometimes in this business too, we get. You know, it, it gets – I don't know if jaded is the right word, Mike, but, like, you get um, – the emotion gets taken out of it. And thanks to Tennessee, the hatred is still in my heart. And for that, I appreciate the Vols, and especially their their Twitter fans for, uh, you know, just wiping me up every once in a while.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's all in good fun. But if you ask me, that just says more about how Kentucky's – in particular, the football team, has basically risen – to the level of Tennessee, while Tennessee's kind of dipped down, and I think that's just that kind of you know the the fan base thinking they're better. When I mean, you can't really tell the programs much apart these days.
1: No, in in, it, in it, except for in the head-to-head matches. Um, everywhere else, it's been about even. Especially over the last uh, four years since Eddie Graham came Kentucky's offensive coordinator, uh, Kentucky has a better record. They've won. Uh, better bowl games. I mean, you you kind of look at the list. They check all the boxes except in the head-to-head matchups. And I I think if you were looking forward, you probably have more confidence in Kentucky's program just because of uh, what they have coming back. Um, Now, I would say that Phil Fulmer, he went and hired an army of talented assistants. uh, Gary Gansley, who was formerly at UK, Mm -hmm. Um, is there along with,
0: uh, is it Chaney from Georgia, our offensive coordinator? Yep. And (laughs) they hired uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh, the former, I think he worked at Kentucky as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they're they're wound up. So I think uh, while, you know, Tennessee, they're they're doing okay, but I'd like to just be able to get a couple uh, more wins under the belt, make me feel a little bit happier about where Kentucky is on that SEC ladder because right now, they are flirting in that kind of next man up uh, stage. And I think for 2020, a lot of fans believe that th- that this is the year that they really can uh, take a legit challenge to be the next man up right there with Georgia at the top. Whereas the last few years, it's been kind of a rotating cast of characters between Kentucky, uh, Florida, and Tennessee, South Carolina, somebody else. So uh, this year is the big year that they've been building to to uh, take a big step and, and try to get uh, get Georgia and get to Atlanta to play in the SEC championship game.
0: Well, speaking of 2020, I got to ask you this: I was very surprised. Once again, everyone should go out and listen to the 11 Personnel podcast. I highly recommend it for just incredible, in-depth analysis on Kentucky football program, but. On the latest program that I heard, it took you guys about 40 minutes before you hit on the quarterbacks, and is that because you guys are just that confident that Terry Wilson, coming off injury, is gonna be the starter? Because I'm, I'm a guy that's been building up Joey Gatewood. I know I watched him in high school; he's an outstanding player, and now you know, obviously, he's not even immediately eligible at this time, but. I'm taking a risk saying I think he will be. I know he's he's applied for the waiver and the NCAA is looking at that rule. Uh, mm-hmm. Why is it that uh, you guys are, I mean, are you just locked in on Terry Wilson, do you think, being the starter?
1: Yeah, it, that's part of it. I think it's one of those things, too, where uh, if you've, cut co- you know, you've, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of quarterback competitions uh, throughout your time covering SEC football. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things where right now we're at the kind of, Uh, fun stage where you know you can just kind of hype up everybody and there's not really anything in particular but you better believe in that spring game that Kentucky fans are going to overanalyze every single pass that is thrown Um, but I, I think the having the transfer rule if it does in fact get passed will be huge for Kentucky because simply for the fact that we don't know what Terry Wilson's knee's going to do. And I, and I think it's more of a fear of we don't want to think about what happened if Terry Wilson isn't well. Because, well, you know, last year they were able to get by with one voter, and that was fun. It was a memorable run that Kentucky fans won't soon forget. But there's a certain extent of, like, I think in the back of every UK fan's head, there's this, what if his knee isn't the same? What if he's not the same player that he once was? Because mm-hmm. Kentucky really is on the land on Terry Wilson right now. Uh, in their Super Bowl commercial, they run a, a local ad every year that's kind of their preseason hype video. Terry is the focal point at the end where, you know, w- we're ready for the big shots. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of talk of Atlanta. They're really pumping up expectations, and a lot of it runs through Terry Wilson because they really liked what he was doing before he got hurt last year. So I think that's, there is a lot of confidence in Terry, with a caveat that you don't know how he's going to come back from that knee injury. And as of right now, he's not uh, 100% in spring practice. He's able to throw, uh, you know, do kind of, uh, you know, routes on air, one-on-one. Um, but he's not doing seven-on-sevens as of yet. Like he's actually taking a break for spring break next week. And there's some optimism that he'll be able to maybe do some seven-on-seven to kind of finish out the spring before getting back into team drills this fall. So I, I think the general optimism, um, you know, right now, we don't want to think about the what if Joey Gatewood is eligible, what if Terry's knee isn't there. Because on the other hand, if Terry's back and he's good to go and you have Joey
0: Gatewood there that you can use as a weapon,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you know, in some wildcat packages and stuff like that, the, the sky is really the limit for this UK offense.
0: Now you kind of hit on it there, Lynn Bowden. I mean, he obviously he's gone there's no way I don't think anyone can single-handedly replace him. I mean, my God, the guy should have been a Heisman finalist for what he did for that team last year. So how does Kentucky go about replacing uh, arguably the best player in, well, I don't know if you could even say the best player in recent history because they've had so many good ones, but just an all-timer in Limbauden. Oh,
1: yeah. He, he, like you said, there's nothing that one player can do what he did. I mean – it, it really is one of those things like uh, you tell your grandkids the story about 40 years from now and now. Grandpa, stop lying to us. That didn't really happen. Like, that's how ridiculously unbelievable the Lynn Bowden story is. The good news is that, it, that the last chapter, the final chapter of that story, ends with him throwing a touchdown to a guy named Josh Ali. It was a great play, and it was a gutsy call. He kind of audibled it at the line, told Ali to run a post instead of double fades. The cornerback's bailed out. he was there to, to to basically catch a putt. Um, but the biggest play of that drive was a catch that Ollie had on fourth and short, uh, or not, excuse me, not fourth and short. It was like fourth and eight, but he caught it just a couple inches short of touching the ground where he's going the opposite way of the way that Bowden's rolling, makes an incredible catch. That kind of momentum, that last drive that he had there, didn't get a lot of touches last year, but he, Josh Ali is going to be the guy that's, Kentucky's best receiver next year. He's their best route runner. Uh, he's, been, he's been very methodical in his development. And unfortunately, we just didn't get to see him completely unleashed last year. He is going to be the, uh, the kind of go-to guy with the most catches this year. Uh, obviously, you know I don't, I don't think you're going to want to compare him to Lynn but they're going to use him in the same sense that he's going to be their versatile playmaker. And they also have another guy by the name of Allen Daly that's really versatile. He's a big guy. From Pence, Alabama. He was actually a wide receiver for Bo nicks in high school. Um, they played on the same state championship morning football team. He was their leading receiver. He's a big body who got some early catches in his career playing inside and that moving back So those are going to be the primary weapons on the edge. But a lot of it, it to be completely honest with you, Mike, it's it comes down to prove it. Um <laughs> wide receiver is the one position where you haven't had a ton of consistency since Mark Stoops has been at Kentucky. So uh, for a lot of fans, it's just, all right, show me what you got, and we'll be ready once, once it actually
0: happens. I wanted to ask you about this trio of running backs they got at Kentucky. You got Rose, Kvasi, smoke, Chris Rodriguez, maybe the best trio in the SEC. Is this the most talented and deepest backfield that uh, Stoops has had there at Kentucky?
1: I, I think it's certainly deepest because, heck, even – The, the newcomers, uh, Jaton McClain, who just got to campus, he was getting rave reviews from Eddie Graham and Travis Dizville, who came from Lowndes High School in Georgia, a big powerhouse down there, um, a year ago, redshirted. So it's certainly the deepest. And I think what Graham wants to happen this spring is for one of them to become the guy. But even if that – I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of rotating this year. There certainly won't be as many carries because you can't have more carries than you did when you, you, know, you weren't throwing the football at all mm-hmm. a year ago. But the biggest thing they need to find out in this group is a short yardage guy. I think that's going to be Chris Rodriguez. He showed a lot of wiggle there at the end of the year with some explosive plays. But that was where Kentucky – that was where they really struggled last year was in third one's. They eventually got a rolling with the Wildcat, but uh, to bring up Tennessee again, that cost them the game. Uh, they weren't able to get two yards, and they could have made a lot of situations easier if they just kept drives alive a little bit longer. They've got to find a short yardage back. I think that's going to be Rodriguez, and I hope that's who they ultimately stick to in that rotation.
0: One guy LSU fans know all about, Kelvin Joseph, coming on the scene now at Kentucky. I've never I don't think I can recall a time where a head coach – opening spring press conferences, yeah, this guy, he's our day one starter. I mean, I guess he's just been that impressive in the year off he had. How much does he elevate that Kentucky secondary?
1: Yeah, he is incredibly physical, and I think that's the first takeaway that everybody said about him. Along with it, he's incredibly confident. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, In my first conversation with me, he said that he was the best cornerback or the best defensive back in all his college football now Stoops was you know he happily pumped those brakes <laughs> but um yeah, I think the fact that of uh, the athleticism that he brings, he still is not there mentally to play every single position, like um you know he said rather confidently but um i, I that defensive, I, I think the reason why fans are so bullish on this team, Kentucky had the 4th ring pass defense in the country. They bring everybody back, and uh, except, except for Jordan Griffin, who is you know, he's a stalemate. He, he did some great things throughout his career, really studied the shit, but he would have lost a lot of snaps to Devontae Robinson, who um, he was a guy that Notre Dame really tried to steal from Kentucky late in their recruiting process. A local kid, a track star, incredible athlete who – it's kind of – he was waiting his turn, and last year was going to be his year. He tore his quad right before the season. He's going to be back along with Joseph, who – so you're getting the fourth-ranked pass defense in the country back with all of those guys, and then you're adding even better athletes to the mix. If they can find the right combination and get these guys gelling, Kentucky uh, – but you don't really. You look at a defense. You don't see holes in it. It's gonna be really hard to score on that team this fall.
0: Well, let me ask you about this guy. This is uh, someone that I've been waiting to make his impact up there, and we've just not yet seen it. Xavier Peters, former, I believe, Florida State linebacker, high school All-American, and Stoops kind of. He, he didn't call him out directly, but he kind of did in his opening spring press conference. <laughs> What's the deal there with Xavier Peters?
1: He's, uh, for the lack of a better term, he's been in the third in the post though. Um, and I I haven't heard of specific stories of what's been the exact problem, but Stoops is one of those guys that he will take one on the chin for his players if they're meeting his expectations. And frankly, Peters has it, um, there's some certain things that, uh, you know, whether it's showing up to tutors on time or or being in a meeting on time. That just hasn't – it hasn't met Stoops' expectations. And he he let that line go for a while last season. After Peters finally got eligible, he was cleared with that waiver. We were expecting him to at least play sparingly. And then a week goes by. Then another week. And another week, and it's like, all right, what, what's the deal with Xavier Peters? And finally, Stoops was just like, well, if you're not doing what we're asking of you, then you're not going to play. And that's when you know that things are bad. So I think this is Stoops' – he threw that out there one more time. And I think it his message to Xavier Peters, hey, get with it or get lost. We've got some really talented guys. They've got uh, an edge from Louisville by the name of J.J. Weaver, who if they needed him last year, he wouldn't have played more than his four redshirt. And he's really talented. There's some guys there that they have confidence in. So Stoops' message to Peters is, listen – We'd love to have you if you're willing to go there. But, but, you know, we've got a ton of guys right now, and we're confident in their abilities. So get with it, buddy, or, or get lost.
0: Now, Kentucky under Mark Stoops has really had a strong reputation as a developmental program, and I, I know some people take that as disrespect, but I take it more as a compliment because he's taken these three-star guys and then by the end of their career they're all SEC, all-American NFL players, Is there a player or two that comes to your mind that maybe the casual SEC fan doesn't know now, but by the end of the season, they're going to know all about on Kentucky's roster?
1: Uh, There's one guy, and I I hope that the production on the box score will replicate um, what his impact is on the field. The only problem is that that the innate nature of the position limits that, and that's Kentucky's nose guard, Quentin Bohanna. Bohanna is – 395 pounds, and he does not move like a 395-pounder. And I think there was a thought uh, going into last year that he could potentially leave following his junior season and go to the NFL draft, but the production really wasn't there, and he's kind of had a, you know, some health issues here and there where you know you weigh 300 pounds or whatever it is, and I'm, I'm sure I was exaggerating some of the 395 pounds, <laughs> but when you're, when you're a big guy, and you sprain your ankle, it's going to take longer for that ankle to heal. And he was dealing with kind of daggy stuff like that. Uh, Morgan Stenberg said he, at the NFL Combine, without even hesitation, he's the best guy people aren't talking about. I agree with that. And I also think Chris Oates this year is going to have a monstrous year. He's he's one that I, I would not be surprised if he's an early entrant into the NFL draft because he's a 6'5 middle linebacker. He just that, that's typically not the build, he's got really long arms. He's been playing since he was a true freshman. And really, you know, uh, Mike Linebacker's got a reputation for being run stuffers. He could do that, but it's really impressive to see him cover ground in open space. And that's part of why Kentucky's past even so successful is because him and DeAndre Square are very good in the open field.
0: All right, so I know Kentucky just signed a historic class, some of the best, I think is the best defensive line class in the nation. Are you expecting any of these kids to come in and play immediately? I know that's that's not really Mark Stoops what he tends to do, but hell, these kids may be too good to keep off the field. Is there one or two that you ex- really expect to see on the field next season?
1: I'll give you three, and they're all in the trenches. So it's not,
0: actually I'll give you four,
1: um, and two of those are on the defensive line. That's Justin Rogers, Kentucky's first five-star recruit since the internet was around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. He, he 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 is the highest-ranked recruit of the Rivals era um, at the University of Kentucky. I'm not sure where they'll slot him in on the defensive line, but he's got the talent, the twitch. I just don't know. He, he didn't arrive early, so you kind of wonder with those guys. Mm-hmm. How long will it take to kind of develop? The same goes for Josiah Hayes, who, man, John Summerall, new assistant, he's recruiting like a madman in the South. Went down and... Wayne Kiffin had a lot of hype, and he snuck that kid out of Mississippi. He's an incredibly talented defensive line. And that's – Kentucky lost a couple of guys, Calvin Taylor and T.J. Carter. Taylor was, I believe, second in the SEC in sacks last year. They could use some defensive linemen. They could use some bodies, and I think those guys can work their way into the rotation. On the offensive line, I mentioned Stenberg at the combine. He's the only offensive lineman they're replacing. So what do they do? They went and got a top-10 offensive guard in R.J. Adams. That's another one. I'm worried he's not on campus yet, but I think he has all the skills um, to be able to come in and contribute as a freshman. But the one that people are going to remember his name, he's the guy that is billed as the next Bowden, and that's Michael Donut Drennan. Yes, he goes by Donut um that's, that's his nickname he said when he was a little kid when he ran up and down the field with those big pads on he looked like a, a donut flying by um but he is one of those guys who is a four-star i'll do whatever you want me to do i'll play running back i'll play slot receiver and even though he was a, actually a signing in february didn't get in uh for the spring he's he's a plug and play he's an incredible athlete that could have gone to school anywhere and just the fact that they got – were able to land Drennan was impressive. USC made a hard late push, and he really had offers from where he wanted to go. Drennan is a guy that is eventually going to be making head-on in the Southeastern Conference.
0: All right, last question for you, Nick. You already said expectations, you know, the building towards this year, very deep, talented roster, particularly on that defensive side of the ball. I know it's early, but do you have just – you know, I'm not going to hold it this against you or anything, but do you have an early – maybe prediction for the coming season record-wise for Kentucky?
1: I could not be more confident that Kentucky is going to win at Auburn. It's something about Auburn doing this kind of wildly inconsistent on-again, off-again, we're good, and then we're bad. I think the unfamiliarity helps Kentucky, especially on the defensive side um, when they're used to playing an offense like what Malzahn has. The games that worry me the most are it's really that stupid Tennessee game. I don't know why they've been able to beat them regularly, and it's making sure that stadium's filled when Georgia is there. So I I ultimately I, – I've, I've got myself so worked up that Kentucky's going to be playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium that I, I'm going to talk myself into it this early because I can. This is the best time to be incredibly overconfident. Absolutely. But uh, I, I really think that, you know, you go on the road to Tennessee, you go on the road to Florida, it's going to come down to four games next year. And you've got to win two. And if you want to go to Atlanta, you've got to win at least three of those and have some other – had um, had some balls bounce your way, but I will say that Georgia game. I know they played it in the rain last year, and um, an absolute monsoon in Athens. But it's one of those things where the when you used to watch Kentucky versus Georgia, they just didn't have the guys. Well, I think Kentucky's starting to get those guys, especially inside. And, and you know, you lose DeAndre Swift. Mark Stoops was ready for that guy to go to the NFL <laughs> draft. <that felt laughs> Georgia doesn't have all those guys. They don't have Jake Brown. Jamie Newman. He's going to be fine. But I, I think if you can steal a win out of the swamp early in the season, we're going to be talking about going to Atlanta until somebody stops us.
0: All right. So he's Nick Roush. You can follow him at RoushKSR on Twitter. He works for Kentucky Sports Radio and the host of the 11 Personnel Podcast. Really some outstanding stuff, Nick. I really appreciate you hopping on and joining with us. I think uh, the listeners are really going to appreciate this one. Well,
1: I'm happy to be here and gas up the cats as much as possible. <laughs> it's what
0: I do best. And, you know, maybe talk trash to
1: Tennessee too. All
0: right, Shane. So how about that? I mean, he saved the best for the last year. Kentucky reaching <laughs> Atlanta. That's the prediction here <laughs> in March. You got to love optimism at this time of year thoughts on uh that interview there with dick roush
2: oh can you give me a minute mike i gotta go get another beer i mean we're talking <laughs> sec championship here let me give me a second i'll be uh, right back all right, all right you there bud yes sir all right all right where were we kentucky sec championship all right now <laughs> I thought that was a fantastic interview. Yeah, just like Kelvin Joseph, you got to have that confidence, man, that's what you like to hear. You know something that you, something that you and I were talking about this last podcast when they came out, national championship odds, Kentucky was at 90 to1, Tennessee was at 41. Mm-hmm. And I told you, I think Kentucky is closer. Are as close as Tennessee is to win a national championship. I mean, if you're looking at just the odds in general, because what they do have coming back, especially on defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking a lot
0: about Kentucky here lately, and you know what they kind of remind me of is, obviously we know how good of a coach Dan Mullen is, all, all he's done at Florida, and what he did at the tail end of his Mississippi State career. But mm-hmm. I believe when he left Mississippi State, I think he may have had a losing record in the SEC or just, you know, slightly above 500. It was one or the other. But a lot of people question it. And this kind of Mark Stoops, what he's built Kentucky into, kind of reminds me of what Dan Mullen had there running in Starkville, where, you know, they're always going to be picked down the bottom of the SEC. They're always going to have – maybe not always, but they're, they're just going to have more three stars that nobody knows their name outside of the state. And that doesn't matter because on Saturday, they line up and they'll whip your ass if you're not ready for them. And often, I mean, they're surprising people. You know, they're beating teams like Florida now. Mm-hmm. They're contending. I mean, they are they haven't beaten Tennessee, obviously, but they're right there with them. And uh, I think on a good day, they could give Georgia a game. So, I don't know. I think this they've just developed in such a program where they're so sneaky good. It's kind of like Nick says, no one's going to be picking them to win in Gainesville. But if they somehow manage to get that one, um, I don't know. The sky could be the limit. The momentum could be building. And, you know, their cross-division SEC West game that that is not typical is at Auburn. And kind of like Nick said, kind of like we've been saying, Auburn is just one of these teams that when you – just when it's, things are going right, I mean, the damn sky <laughs> falls out on them. If, if it's one of those years, all of a sudden that game doesn't look that challenging.
2: <laughs> exactly. God, I just love college sports, Mike, you know? I mean, when he was so upset about Fulkerson, I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, I've never had a thing against him. But, you know, that Tyler (laughs) Harrow guy they had last year saying buckets all the time, I didn't like him. But it's, it's so funny how just like every team i mean everybody has a team to hate you know auburn right. hates alabama they hate the name Tua, you know you look at i mean it's just it's just so that's just what college sports I man. i just i just freaking love it and uh i felt i felt the rage there you know because i feel the passion here so mm-hmm. oh man i just love college sports mark um and
0: they've dominated louisville in recent years on the gridiron too so now you I know. can sense it from him. He's like, well, oh,
2: we don't care about them. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's exactly. I mean, you think about the Egg Bowl, man, just how heated that thing got last year. It's just that's why sports is great, and especially college sports, man.